listening to the 123 show with me, Noreen Mayer, this Friday afternoon, and I'm really excited to welcome back to the studio Karen Co. Karen, it's great to see you. It's great to be here, Noreen, uh, Friday as usual, and with the Agenda Cafe. And today we have a really interesting show. Um, it's actually not something I know a lot about, so I'm really glad we have some great guests joining us to teach us. We're talking about women and gaming. Now, are you a gamer, Noreen? I like to indulge in the occasional Super Mario Brothers or right now uh, uh, The Witcher, which may, may not be very family-friendly, but it's all right. Okay. I not have, very good, by the way. Okay. I've been really limited to um, this terrible matching game where you just, like, drag matching pairs of things onto a little disc, then they disappear and you play against time. That's about all I can handle these days. I play it on my phone. You know, you've got like three minutes and you're racing against time. And if you get to that next level, you get more time or you get, you know, a magnet comes and takes all the metallic things away. But I'm really not a good gamer. My sons did try to teach me how to play Call of Duty a long time ago, and I kept shooting my feet and the sky. I really had no control over the <laughs> of my weapons, so you know you don't want me in your army. Put it that way. But anyway, um, in most countries these days, women make up about half the population of gamers, and at the same time, it's a kind of a misogynistic culture. It's quite sexist. They're up as, against sexism as players. They're underrepresented as characters in games, or they're only represented in a certain way. So today we're going to find out more about women and video game culture with our guests. And so we're delighted to be joined by um, three guests. Keiko Bang, who is the CEO of Bang Singapore, which is also known as Milanesia. Keiko is a media producer, a lifelong game and um, she's actually right now joining us from San Diego where she is who's normally for a very long time and Lord seven-year-old gamer so she's going to join us to give us a young person's perspective which I think is really important and then we're also joined by Alison Yangjing who is a writer and curator in the field of video games so ladies thank you all for joining us today Thank you for inviting us. We're also on Facebook Live as well. Noreen Mayer on RTHK Radio 3 is the page to go to. You can also go to Karen's Facebook, which is uh, Karen on RTHK Radio 3. Yeah, so Keiko, let me start with you because you've been gaming the longest of all of us. Um, first of all, tell us about your history with gaming, how you got into it, and, and what keeps you interested? Uh-oh. Hi, sorry, uh, I it, it it broke up. Oh, so uh, did you hear my question? I I got the first part okay. of it. If you would so have... yeah, just about your history with gaming, how you got into gaming, and what keeps you interested. Right. Um, well, I am one of the few people probably who had a Lisa. You know, before the Apple, there was a Lisa. And so my mother came home one day when I was, I think I want to say in high school, and she just put this big box on my desk. And she goes, I bought this computer. And my brother, of course, was really into the little hand games of Segas and all of that. But I sort of opened it and uh, I started playing, I think maybe I had a boyfriend help, but you know, there were little simple, simple games, but I was very inspired by that. And then later on, I don't know why, but I got a PlayStation. And I just started um, getting into what is one of the biggest franchises ever, which is Final Fantasy. 
Um, and that was extraordinary. You got to be a character. There was, there were very complex storylines. There, there were um, multiple kingdoms with tons of people walking around with lots of information. And you'd be like, oh, five kingdoms back. Go pick up your sword at that guy's house. You know, you'd have to like, you were like living this alternate reality. I loved it because you can take all kinds of risks in games that you would never take in real life. And so you can have this alternate, like, really brash personality. Not that I'm not brash in real life, but you, know, you could do a lot of things that were very risky that you would never be able to do in the real world. But ultimately, I like it because it gives me a sense of achievement. Like, every day, I feel like, oh, I achieved this much. I, I beat the timer, or we beat that alliance in the strategy game, or whatever it is. And um, so I do game, and also, of course, it's stress release. It, it, it brings me out of whatever I'm doing. You almost might call it meditative when they talk about being mindful. That means, you know, leaving, you know, being all of that. So I, I really liked it. So um, you, but, you, when you're yes, playing, you really get absorbed in that game. And and what, so today, what on average, like how, how much would you play each day? And can you tell us some of the games you play? <laughs> so I don't know if I'll honestly say how long I play. No, I, um, <laughs> it's okay. It it's only thousands I, of people listening. <laughs> no, I probably pick, play about one or one or two hours. Um, you know, if I'm having a really bad day, I might spend longer than that. Um, I played Laura Craft, uh, World of Warcraft, uh, you know, Final Fantasy, um, Hearthstone. Really loved Hearthstone. It was a card strategy game by Blizzard. Um, and you have a lot of physics professors. You have a lot of people trying to game it. It's very complex, and I love it. Um, and also, I think I'm playing something now called State of Survival. And um, it's a really fantastic game where you split up into alliances, you're in states and things like that. And I think I posted earlier this year about how interesting it was. We had so many international players. I believe it's a Chinese game originally uh, out of Beijing. But it's we have uh, it, and, and so all these alliances, a lot of them are uh, by personality, by sorry, by country or by nationality or by language. So you'll see, you know, Filipino leagues and things like that. But what I was uh, what I was commenting earlier this year was how interesting it was that people in these games actually uh, act like the way that their countries might act in foreign policy on a global level. So we had a few rogue alliances that were similar to sort of the rogue uh, foreign policies of those countries. And so I was I was I just have so much fun in those sort of things. That's great. Um, Colette, let me bring you into it because you're obviously the youngest of our, our gamers. Um, what kind of games do you like and what do you like about them? Um, I like to play Minecraft and Among Us usually. Among Us is more of a newer game and it's a kind of strategy game, I guess. Minecraft is like a long term more of. Like you just start off your world and you have to build up from nothing. And I like long-term games, I think, a little bit more because um, you kind of have to gather resources, build, build things, you know, you can create whatever you want to. And it's really fun and, you know, it takes a long time. Like I might have a two year old world. Wow. And then it has a lot of things, like different building things. And you get and really attached to the world too. My, my Animal Crossing has been about, I don't want to reveal my age too much, but I've had the same Animal Crossing since university <laughs> really? when it first started wow. in Nintendo DS. Yeah, and it's still going. A lot of weeds. I, I heard they just came out with the stock market, right? <laughs> yes. 
There's, they're like doing vegetables, yes, right? That's right. I love it. So mine is still the very old version um, of it. Um, but Colette, where did you hear about those games? Do, do, do your friends play those games as well, or did you sort of hear them uh, online? It may have um, cut, cut out. Uh, uh, let me just repeat my question. I, I was just um, asking, where did you hear about those games? Is it among your friends? Do your friends also, are they also gamers? Or did you sort of hear about them online? Um, well, Minecraft, I probably heard about it from my brother because he played a lot. But Among Us is definitely from like the internet because it's more recent games. And when I was little, I didn't really know about anything. So my brother showed me. Is he a good gamer, or are you better? He's. <laughs> <laughs> Let, let's let's get to this issue about you know specifically being female, um, Alison. Let me let me bring to you into this. So, what's your view of how you know? First of all, females generally are portrayed in games as as characters as. Um, avatars. I mean, what what is historically what has it been? Uh, so I started play game. I think at college age, and it, I can review my age. It was like early nineteen nineties or mid nineteen nineties, and I was in China. And most of the game because I'm a martial art fan, so I play a lot of Taiwanese made game. It was a height of Taiwanese game. Uh, usually, it's RPG. And you always play a guy, and this guy would have two to three teammates along his journey, and usually two of them are women, and they are really pretty, but in different visual styles. Their personality would always be in the opposite. Like one is very sweet and soft, the other is dominant and aggressive. But all their journey, their quest is to help the guy. And in the end, I don't know if it's because only two or three companies are producing these games so in the end almost one of them has always to die from this guy for this guy or sometimes as a guy you're, you're playing this guy you can choose which one can die and which one can live with you happy ever after something like that and it was being like that for five or six years i guess it was still like that because all these big title games they keep pushing up with sequels but i was a bit sick of it because Basically, I'm always playing between two women, and I choose which one can uh, survive. Then there are games. It's Japanese-made game called Pal Games. Uh, it takes it to a whole new level. Like there are maybe twenty girls you can chase after, and it's very East Asian in a way. Like for for to enable your character to be liked by either like any one of these girls, you have to achieve in certain discipline and usually it's set in a high school or a college so in the daytime you have to go to class and arrange the schedules for this guy character so he gets better at economics or mathematics or arts and then some girl would pick him and it's like that there's as i remember in my childhood there's only one game where you can play a girl to become a star and you can choose from one of out of 40 guys and I played that game 30 times at least. I still have it on my Mac because that's one of the only choices as a girl you have to play yourself. Really? So basically girls are accessories or they're just assistants to 
male characters most of the time. I think so.、Uh, it also goes together with how martial arts novels are written, because the characters in martial art novels, the female ones, are also fulfilling a destiny that the help or the romance, romantic pursuit of the guy is a symbolic character. And Alison, what about、um, for, for male character? It's very versatile. You can have warrior, or you can have a very in China like a literary guy who's very well learned and soft and knows a lot. For girls, they're all pretty, and it's just different kind of pretty. And so, Alison, what about、um, as a, as a player? What you know, we we hear of the sexism、um, mm. as a player, even though. People may not know you're female from whatever avatar or username you choose. How how does、mm. the sexism how is it demonstrated or how does it manifest itself? I think you're mostly talking about online games. So you choose avatar and you can do gender gender swap. So you don't have to be a female character if you are the female player. But a lot of the times, these multiplayer games requires in a, like team cooperation. Team cooperation. So sometimes it's done by voice, like you would ask for each other's help or send out SOS. Then your character is reviewed, and also sometimes a team would look specifically for girls.、Okay. Yeah.、Um, Keiko, Allison, and Colette, what sorts of games do female gamers play, or is it really no different from male gamers? You know, are, are there specific games that that women prefer to to play, or、um, maybe Keiko? Well, it's so interesting. Before we got on tonight, Colette and I were talking about the gamers that she watches on Twitch. And so, who are you talking about? It's、uh, Pokemoning. Pokemon. Pokemon. She's got six point two million followers. She's the number one girl gamer on Twitch, and she's this really young. She's twenty one years old, half Canadian, half Moroccan girl. And what does she play, Colette? Why do you like watching her? Um, I just like she plays with some other people that I watch. And that's usually like when I watch her, but yeah, like I don't really watch her, like because she's a girl. No, like <laughs> I watch. You watch her, but I don't watch her、good. specifically. Like I watch、sure. her from other people. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. 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 Um. But. No, I was going to say I was reading,、uh, you know, researching this show that、um, when it comes to what women like to do in games, it kind of reflects Keiko what what you were saying, where they they're very different from men in that they like to accomplish tasks like finish a level, get to a destination. They like to get all the collectibles,、um, and they like to、um, you know. Escape, you know, be in a in another world. Whereas, Animal Crossing. <laughs> whereas the men like exactly, to exactly the men like to blow things up, create chaos,、um, yes, compete against others, and get stronger. I mean, it's so stereotyped, but it seems to be true, right? I mean, Keiko, have you come across any sexism as a player?、Um, you know, it's really interesting because、um, I when I started. Playing this game,、um, State of Survival, is because I was being blitzed with this so zombie thingy, and I don't normally like games like that. But I was so taken by the cleverness of the way that they were advertising to me. I'm like, okay, you deserve a glance. And so I joined, and it was interesting because I chose to, for the first time, to have a male avatar. I mean, part of it is I didn't want. I wanted to see how people would treat me in the game. And it's really interesting because as long as you're really short with your what you say, people don't really know. They can't figure it out. But then the second I go, oh my God, you know, they're like, oh, she's a girl, you know, he's a girl, you know,、um, they know.、Um, I'm lucky because in my league, 
or in my, my alliance, I have moms. There's uh, We have wives and husbands. We have couples in my, uh, my alliance. And it is really interesting. Like some of us will go off and start talking about politics and things like that in the lion's chat. And then you'll see a guy go, hey, guys, like just let's think about taking over the fortress or, you know, let's protect ourselves from the Russians, you know, whatever it is. And and so um, I, I will have to say that the other thing I, I do like, um, I, I very much don't like the stereotyping of the way women women are represented. I don't, you know, they're very curvaceous, they're overly voluptuous, they're wearing revealing garments. And although they're supposed to be mythological creatures often or fantastical creatures, I don't understand why they all have to look like that. You know, in, in, in there, it's also ageist. We don't have any old avatars. I don't get, a, a, and you know what? We have sage, you know, Justice Pao, you know, in, in uh, you know, uh, Chinese uh, stories as well. Why don't we have these sage characters, you know, being an avatar? Why can't you choose to be a, a wise character, you know? And, and so it definitely, I think that you can see those things happening. And often also, I it, the men, if you're playing one-on-one -on -one games, they will look at your name and they'll say, you're a girl, aren't you? Or you're playing like a girl. So it's like pejorative. And, and I find that very distasteful. And what does that even mean, play like a girl? You know, I'll, I'll show you what playing like a girl really means. I'll, I can, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Um, but it's very interesting what you mentioned just now, Keiko. It's about the avatars. Why are they overtly sexual? And maybe it comes down to the game designers. You know, are they women designing the, the, the games for, for women? Or are they actually men designing just games? What they um, want to see. <laughs> Well, unfortunately, you know, I did look into this because I was so taken by Final Fantasy and uh, you may or may not know I, I have a documentary production company. And so that was something I really wanted to do. So I started talking to Squaresoft and I was saying, you know, it takes two years for them to do these games. They lock people in a huge, almost like the size of a huge stadium, you know, for two years and they take all of their stuff when they leave. It's very, very hot locked up because it's such a big franchise. And I asked them how many women they had and they were saying, you know, oh, you want to follow the girl, the women develop or the women creators I said yes and they're like hmm and this the the conversation went to to nothing does that mean they and don't so, have any I think that they don't have them in the positions that we would want to see them you know and I have uh interviewed people at gaming companies in Japan who do samurai games for example and all and you know I I was interested more about how they took a samurai character and why they would have them doing somersaults and things that were very not like martial arts right and 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 why they were wearing purple hair and and, and you know it's very interesting at that time talking to the people who design and their ideas for doing that they said well it gets really boring after a while to pull out a sword and go <laughs> you know it's like they've got to do something else and so they were explaining that and I said well why why isn't there a samurai girl here? And, you know, it's always silence in the room. You know, they it doesn't occur to them. And there is this feeling, I think, amongst male gamers that that there aren't that many female gamers and that's not their audience. But, you know, you you know, the statistics are extraordinary. I think most women. Let me tell you something. Most moms in Western countries are gaming. Most. Yeah. Yeah, the if you're a mom, demographic in the 40 to 60 something age range is very high for gamers. It's for women. very high. And the gaming companies know this. And also get this. We pay. We are not trying to game the gaming system so we don't get paid so that we don't have to pay. So you get all these male gamers who are like, how long can I do this or do this so I don't have to pay a cent? And we're all like, here's my 15 bucks, you know, for for this Take week or for tonight or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I'll buy my extra credits and hear all that. And then I'll just not have to worry about like, oh, I ran out again. I mean, often I feel like it's a play of wills with myself. Okay, I am not giving them another $5. No, I'm not going to give them another $5. And so this is a way for me to uh, teach myself self-control. <laughs> 
<laughs> and I'll feel so proud of myself that I turned the game off without paying another $5 to get my extra credit so I can keep going on. That's really interesting. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll put that question uh, to Alison, perhaps after the 2.30 news, whether you are sort of more willing to, to purchase uh, when you're playing uh, in these uh, games. And uh, so hold that thought. And for our listeners, we're, we're going to pause the Facebook Live, uh, but stay there. Uh, we're just going to the news of about a minute and we'll co- return back to the Agenda Cafe on this Friday afternoon. And we're talking about women and the gaming culture. A quick look at the weather. For- Welcome back. You're listening to the Agenda Cafe this Friday afternoon on the 123 Show with me, Karen Ko and Noreen Mia. And we are talking about women and gaming today. Uh, and we've, we've been having a really interesting discussion just about the whole gaming culture, uh, how women and females are portrayed in games, and then what it's like as a female gamer to be online and interacting with with your other competitors. Um, and so before the break, Keiko was talking about how you know the the older well older demographic, the moms and and older women are are one uh, very well represented in gaming and they're willing to pay. And so, Alison, let let me um, ask this question to you in terms of um, participation. What do we know, say, in Asia of you know who? On, in terms of women is, is gaming. Is it just a young person's thing or is it like across all, dem- all the demographics? Uh, I think it depends if we are talking about uh, like female professionals in game industry or the players. I did a quick research last night. Uh, there was a Tencent company report, like industrial survey saying one quarter of the professionals in Chinese game industry is occupied by female professionals. But that also has something to do, at least in East Asia or China in particular, uh, a lot of the jobs in game industry are created in the area of promotion, marketing, PR, uh, Mm -hmm. because there are so many mobile games and online games. This is the most visible part, and that's where females uh, are most apart. Even that's sexist. Get the women to do the PR, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. Since this year, I'm uh, teaming up with artists to to design our own game, and I started to like make contact with publishers and programmers uh, and agents. Most of them are male, for sure, but they all emphasize that uh, they want our game because, uh, just like what Keiko said, the female market is growing so large larger and larger, they couldn't really ignore that anymore. So they want to, so it's very capital driven or, or market driven in a way. And then there are also invisible gamers because for mobile games or the other kind of online games, it's very visible. You can watch live streams or go to a tournament to see everything. But for some of the console games and PC games, people just download it and play it by themselves. So there are a lot of gamers doing that, especially females, but you don't see us. That doesn't mean we don't exist. Right. And and do you think that uh, in terms of the games that exist already, the games that are out there, are they are they f- satisfying and fun to play for women, or could they be improved, or could there be totally different games that are much better? Uh, I was frozen for a oh, minute. Sorry. Could you repeat it? Yes. If you look at the games that exist already, the games that are that are out mm. there, are they fun and satisfying for mm. women to play, or are they? Is there like a whole? untapped market of a different type of game that someone should be making for women? 
I think that's like a yes and no because I'm a game addict. Uh, there's always so many. An addict too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's so many games I want to play, but I don't have time for it. When I was younger, I was too poor to buy all of them, and now, and now that you have、I'm... all of them, but don't have the time to play with them. <laughs> yeah, I already fulfilled my life dream already for that.、Um, But they are underpromoted for sure because the way you get to know these games nowadays is on platforms like Steam or Epic or Apple Store, and you have to invest some kind of capital and money or influencers and to make your game to at least be seen for half a day. And small games, indie games, they don't have that kind of resources to do it. But usually, indie games are the ones who are, I would say, the boldest. To make experiment with gender, with race, with ways of telling stories or play mechanism, so that's the dilemma there. Yeah, Keiko, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I actually、um, was thinking a lot about this because you know we run a K-pop channel. We're launching one, an anime channel into India. It's a digital brand. So it's not a stream. It's not streaming yet, but we hope to do that. And so I think a lot about young girls, and I think a lot about gaming and young girls and gaming. So what's really interesting, if you look at the number one K-pop group, BTS. So the the manager of BTS, his brother owns Netmarble, which is one of the top publishers of game publishers of、uh, sort of online gaming in the world. So he already knew about engagement and how to lock people in. So now they've had two games come out for but for BTS. That、um, that were for girl gamers specifically their fandom, and it's been so interesting to see the kind of decisions they made,、um, how they used the K-pop stars, and whether it was just going to be something shallow and superficial. It's like here he goes, he bumps up again. Let's go to that room, and oh, maybe his video will come up again, you know, or whether it was genuinely complex and a true game. And I think that that again, you have a lot of older men trying to decide what young girls want. And specifically because it's K-pop, it's really aiming at young girls. Not to say there aren't male fans of BTS, but the vast majority are girls. And you know, it, it really still upsets me because I can see all those things that I can imagine that they're thinking, "Oh, this might be a little complicated," or "This might be this way," and they're actually softballing us. And I, I'm I'm sitting there going, "This is not the way to do things." You know, I really feel there is an absolute market out there to cater to、um, ambitious. Um, games of strategy and and even combat, but you know what I notice in the combat and strategic games is that what the women are interested in is the po- politics of it. They're very interested in like how these alliances are going to come together and what kind of way, et cetera, et cetera. So I go back to this game that I'm playing where we talk a lot politically about different alliances, and there's one alliance. Where they always win, and so I asked the guys in my game. I'm like, why are they always winning?、And、he goes, because that guy has 160 million troops. I said, how could he do that? This game is one year old. There's no way. And you know how much money、he、goes? Oh, he blew half a million dollars into this game, so he could be number one in the game. And I'm like, okay, wow. So effectively, why are we even playing? Because if、right. he's playing that kind of money, so they said because they get tired of it. He says, if you wait out these guys who are pay- paying all this money, they get tired of just being in charge of everything, and they leave, and that's when it starts、the、again. The long said, game.、No. But、right. me, of course, the disruptor. I'm like, yeah, but get this: if we get ten of the other alliances together, we can all beat that game. And you know, all the guys in in my alliance are just quiet, and all the girls are like, "What a great idea!" And you know, I can see. That this is a problem because you know the girls in this alliance are saying we can beat this guy、right. using 
foreign policy. But the, guy, the guys, the, the guys, the guys want are to about be, group. Yeah, and they want to yes. have their own sovereign group that they can run. They want it. They want to grow organically. They want to be able to just go out there, and we get crushed every time we go out. We get crushed by all these alliances that have big spenders. But and and I'm like, why am I even showing up for whatever this fortress fight is? Because I know we're going to get crushed again. And then, by the way, if you get crushed, your players go into a hospital. Your your troops go into a hospital. So I'm like, I'm in a hospital yet again. For 25 hours you know and i said this is ridiculous i could have forecast that why did i get get up at this time to like be part of the fortress right and so at at that point you know i start thinking wow there is a real game opportunity there that's much more complex um but in a different dimension and i feel that, and and you know i would love to see that come out of asia we have so many stories by the way that don't that have not become games yet when you do look though at the most popular franchises of games you can see that they do draw women in because of the content. Number one, Star Wars. Star Wars was responsible for a lot of girls going into an area of games that were traditionally considered boy games. Yeah. Mm. And so I would really love to see, you know, you've talked about martial arts uh, games, but I would love to see the Three Kingdoms period. I would love to see that done properly. You know, we had four beautiful beauties, right? You know, some some gorgeous girls. We have Mulan, you know, that's over Disney-fied, but we have a lot of great characters in uh, Chinese mythology. Yeah, strong can, female not, characters. Just not done justice too, because it's all about the fighting part, and we're really interested in, in the empire building. We're interested in the foreign policy. The famous uh, pirate, you know, she's what's her name again? That could be made into a, to, to 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 a nice yes. game. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is just my own observation. I don't know if it's a it's a dumb one, but I'm going to put it out there. I find that a lot of the latest game consoles are also geared towards bigger hands and just more male orientated. I, I don't know. This is maybe my level of gaming. You know, I'm so used to the Nintendo DS, which is kind of nice. It's easy to hold. But as soon as they have the you know the the Switch, mm. yes. I, I'm just not such a big fan of it. I know you can take it off and plug it into the TV, but even then, those consoles are really small. You know, but the the whole switch yeah. is too big. I don't know. Do, do you have, have that feeling? I think it's for the American taken? market. It's for the American market. So you know, I'm reminded of when the Samsung chairman, who unfortunately recently passed, he went to America and he said, um, he said, you know what? They have bigger fingers here. We need to make the buttons bigger <laughs> because we remember when everything's the big in America. We're, we're small. Yes, yes. And yes. Now, and it's not like they're big buttons, you know. But anyway, I really feel that's the same thing. I yeah. really do because our hand size are really can be quite different. And I'm particularly, I'm always, my husband has very large hands. He's always like, yeah, I need baby hands. So, um, Alison, just want to talk to you a bit about um, streaming. I mean, you know, Twitch is obviously probably the best-known streaming platform. And uh, before the show, Keiko actually had sent me this video of um, the Congresswoman AOC, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, okay. streaming herself playing uh, Among oh Us, God. and she racked up over three and a half million um, streams over the course of a couple of hours. But while she was playing, it was going, you know, like six, four, five, six hundred thousand. Um, and we don't, you know, a lot of the popular streamers, the ones who's who then go on YouTube, etc., are men. Why, why do you think we don't see more women? streaming and becoming popular just for being a streamer? I think they are, but they are probably not the typical streamer you see. Uh, I was just checking on <laughs> if you want to. Uh, there's a Facebook page called eBunny, eBunny Sports Team. It's a female eSports team in Hong Kong. 
But on their Facebook page, their introduction is they're not only esports, they are a entertainment industrial complex of girl band, entertainment, influencer, esports, and everything sexy. So it's the combination of the five. And it's not only Hong Kong. Uh, last year, I went to Shanghai to participate as a watcher, participate uh, to, to preserve Dota 2 TI. The first time Dota 2 was held, uh, the international tournament was held outside of Seattle or America. And there are so many girls uh, in the audience, but also on the stage. And there's a very clear division of labor in terms of gender. The girls are casters, showgirls. And the host is also a girl, and she's wearing like qi pao, the traditional Chinese mm-hmm. dress, very elegant. She's actually quite experienced as a gamer and as a commentator, but she's mostly known because she's really pretty. And she, she's been around and she knows everyone. And she's in the business, uh, which we should call caster here, maybe in the US content. Yeah, so it's the same thing. And uh, again, the number one capital is the beauty. And because most of the watchers or viewers are guys, so they would commentate on how you look, even though you are not there because only because of that, but that's how you are featured. Uh, it not only applies to the casters, but also to the streamers, like professional players who would stream themselves on all these um, online channels. They're a bit like cam girl too, not that they want to sell their bodies, or, but it's the culture. Like you are expected to wear, I don't know why it's always a Sailor Moon, it's a Japanese custom like <laughs> uniform. And then you have really heavy makeup and also you're talking away. So you're doing two things at the same time. It's actually pretty exhausting. You have to play Sounds the game. Sounds tiring, yeah. exactly. Yeah, and you then you have to be pretty and you have to interact with boys all the time because it's interactive streaming. Yeah, that's a lot to take on. It is. Yeah, Can you me? know, I want to I, I want to I want to say something about that. And that's that, you know, I do really have an issue with the fact that um, there seems to be a, a tipping point at which boys don't want to watch girls um, mm-hmm. to, to game if they're not if they don't like to look like the girls in the game, if they don't look like cosplay girls, if they don't look like anime girls. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, they don't want to watch it. And the gaming companies, I can see them going, geez, you know, we want to bring the girls and oh, we're going to lose all our boys. No, we better just stick with it. I can see these senior management looking at this going, we can't make those kind of big decisions because we'll lose our boys. Really? And, do, you, so do you think it's a zero-sum game, though? Surely there's it, room it, for both, right? You would think so, but going back to what she was, what Allison was saying about indies, you know, because I really support. Uh, we're actually, um, I most of the time, I live in Korea. Okay, my husband's Korean, my father's Japanese. That's and my mother's American. So, but I, I most of the time I'm living in Korea, where esports is. The, it's one of the only places where esports is a spectator sport. Like every Friday, you have people who show up at a stadium, and you know the girls are just terribly. I feel bullied. I feel that they're criticized for the way that they look. And yet, you should look at our esports players, who I'm very proud of in Korea. I'm very proud of their strategies and their intelligence and their cleverness. But I'm sorry, they're neither of them. None of them. I belong on the cover of GQ magazine either. And yet, you know, we're not, you know, they, they don't seem, they seem to have a double standard going mm-hmm. in a really serious way. It feels so old. This kind of bias is so old. I remember it being there, you know, when I was very young, you know, and that was a long time ago. This has not changed at all. And, you know, I remember growing up in Japan, I grew up in Tokyo, and I remember being told by a, a woman, she was 25 years old, had graduated from Tokyo University, had passed the bar exam. She said, well, Keiko, I'm quitting. I'm going to get married. 
And I said, why? She says, in Japan, she says, you can either be cute or you can be smart, but you cannot be both. And this is, again, what we're fighting with. Yeah. You know, and still I said, now. Okay, I would rather be smart because I'm only going to be cute till I'm 25. <laughs> I said, still I'd rather, cute. <laughs> no, no, but I'd rather be smart all my life rather than, you know, up to being cute or up to being marriageable. That was the other right. thing, you know, being told like, oh, your daughter, my father would be saying, oh, you better marry your daughter off really quick. Otherwise, there won't be a man who'd marry her. So, you know, and so then what are, what are the prospects do you think of this changing? I mean, what will it take? Will it take female CEOs of game companies or, you know, women starting their own game companies saying, hey, we're going to design a game on our terms? I think it's a groundswell. You need a groundswell of action um, across the board. I think, you know, China is a really good bet for this because we have some of the best female CEOs who are taken very seriously. Other than the Nordic countries, I say China, tremendous respect for women in business. It does. It takes a female CEO who's committed to saying, I can make a great game that would attract equally um, boys and girls without, you know, playing up to stereotypes. Mm. And, you know, I, I do really understand. I mean, you know, I grew up in the land of anime and manga and otaku cosplay. And, you know, I'm living in a country with K-pop and, you know, the, the K-drama, the e-gaming and, and all of that. And so, you know, I've been surrounded by it all my life. But I think it's lack of guts, lack of courage and definitely lack of uh, the vision cur- currently because there are no female game owners that I know of, particularly in Korea. Uh, in Japan, I think there's like one company that's that's possibly run by a woman. Yeah, well, we can also say that esports is definitely very international here in Hong Kong. We've got the, and it's growing. It's a growing industry. It's, uh, you know, I, I want to talk about the politics of, of it. You know, do certain, um, gamers from different places behave differently? You know, do, uh, uh, you know, are Chinese gamers different from Russian gamers? Are they different from Thai gamers? Are they different from American gamers? Um, have you, can, can you tell where somebody's from by just, you know, the way they play? Um, Allison? Uh, that's a big question. Let me think. Uh, based on my experience with Dota, it has more to do with the inf- infrastructure of each country and uh, regulation, like in Korea and in China, too. Children are not allowed to play all the time. There's a famous accident that uh, I think it's not uh, South Korea. This world renowned champion boy was playing and he's almost going to win and then he's offline because he was in South Korea and was like past 12 he o'clock or something. We regulate like, a shutdown. Yeah. Oh, really? yeah. So, <laughs> that could happen. And in China, uh, this was before, but for a long time, esports was not supported at all. Uh, so it's almost like an underground business and people don't get a, like uh, professional players they don't have a steady income so they are basically all gambling their own life with it sometimes you would have legendary players out of it but then you have a lot of underemployed or unemployed at all people who are barely surviving and esport is pretty cruel after 29 or 30 you're done uh, and if you're in a country where esports is pretty good, you can probably become a coach or a commentator or a caster. But otherwise, you are a bit fucked. Uh, and speaks of international team, I know that for Europe and North America, if the time zone difference is not so much, it's still possible to form a multinational team. And then you have to overcome with working visa. I guess it's pretty difficult now with your president. Uh, <laughs> So it's more complex than uh, the game itself. 
Yeah, I mean, I think esports was definitely exploding. I know that, for example, the Malaysian airline Air Asia had an esports team, and they were going to try and encourage esports tourism, um, to, you know, with their airline in conjunction with the stadiums in Malaysia. Of course, the pandemic has just messed all that up um, because you know now the money is not there. Um, the other thing that I was interested in is when Colette was talking earlier. You know, the games that she's interested in. Um, are very different in that, for example, in Among Us, everybody looks like a blob. You don't, you know, there's no attractive looking characters in there. Maybe, you know, do you think maybe that is a better way to go to design games where everybody pretty much looks the same? You look like a blob. You, you're not going to score points on how you look in the game and your avatar in the game. But it's it's a really, you know, exciting game. It, for those who don't know it, have you have you played the game? I haven't played it, but my one of my oh, kids showed me. It. It's basically like a murder mystery you know, game. Next there. time we should all be playing it. <laughs> yes. I'll scare the thing. Yeah. And then I'll go around and be the imposter and kill exactly. you all. Yeah, it's a very clever <laughs> game. And, it, and it's a game that really gets people excited because um, if they are the imposter, and you're, so you're allocated unbeknownst to everybody else to, to murder someone. Someone. So only you know that you're the murderer. So it's kind of like a Cluedo like in Cluedo, a way. Yeah, yeah, like a Cluedo. Um, but you have to behave normally, like yeah. you haven't just murdered someone. But, you know, is that kind of a better way to go, that you, you design more games where everybody was much more democratic, everybody looks the same? Yeah, I I hear what you're saying, and, and but I do feel that, you know what you've seen Among Us do, is that now they're the way that they're monetizing is by adding all these accessories. Now you can have a little dog follow you. <laughs> You can add a mohawk. So it seems like we start out by saying, here, you can be red, blue, yellow, white. And now it's all like, oh, no, he's red with a mohawk and he's like this. He's a punk rocker. Oh, he's Australian. You know, it's like, so we start going back into our individuality. It's really interesting. This game I've been playing that uh, is Chinese owned. So there's a Chinese person in my league and I reached out to him quietly and I said, I don't know who owns this game, but I think it's Chinese, don't you think? And he's like, I don't know. He's like, I haven't looked it up, but I see. He said, why? And I said, you know, they're giving red packets out in the game. <laughs> <laughs> and and I know that nobody else would have a red packet in the game. But then they start to have avatars. This was amazing for me, is that they started doing global avatars. So you had a character, you have some numerous characters are Asian. There's a Korean girl, there's a Japanese girl, there's a Asian, two Asian guys, there's a Turkish looking guy, they have a, a, a Saudi guy, as a, a sheikh, like the whole thing, and he has a tiger with him, so he's kind of cool. They have a, an alien type of guy, and there's just, uh, they have an older woman, they've got a young girl with a dog, so they really, this, these are people who are supposed to be fighting zombie apocalypse so right. so it, it's quite and you know what i think walking dead did that for us okay it's okay. Of, you know walking dead had an, an amazing cast of characters that was trying to be very diverse, diverse. right yeah. And I think that that that's that's what these Chinese developers. I did look it up. It is a Chinese game, but that these developers put that in. And I really appreciate all the ways that they have approached gaming that don't follow any rule. Mm. Allison, yeah, do you want to say something? Oh yeah, I want you to jump in because you're asking a question that I'm very interested in. I think you are ultimately asking a question about game design and how it connects to people, how to make people no matter who she or he is, to identify with the game. Uh, I can think several ways of doing it. One is like what you were saying, to make the game character ambiguous. Like it's not so specific to us as who this person is. So you can identify it on a psychological level. There's a game called The Journey where you play along and then uh, anonymous, a stranger can join you, but he cannot 
speak. You can sing to each other, but not really with your voice. It's a game mechanism. And he would accompany you to, it would be a good company for you to play through this game. And then he disappears. So it's a two human beings journey, but you don't know who he is or she is, the vice versa. The other way is there's a game called The Rust. It's a multiplayer online game. Uh, it's doing something almost on the opposite side. It arbitrarily assigns who you are. Like you were born in a game of black man, 50 years old, handicapped, or maybe not. That's too heavy. Yeah, but you cannot reverse it or you cannot add some feature to change who you are. The other way is what I'm trying to do with my creative partner is to tell very specific stories. Like we do a lot of research to, to tell the story with a person who's from a context that's quite specific. So it's intersectionality. Again, we tell the story that only could happen to this character, but there are multiple layers. So people could not only know her, but maybe identify with some part of her. I'm sure there are multiple ways of doing it other than this, but I, I think it's there's a lot of potentials to discover. Absolutely. Yeah, it's great. definitely a topic we'd love to revisit another time. Uh, meanwhile, thank you so much for your time uh, this afternoon, Alison, uh, for joining us. Alison and Keiko for joining us. Uh, we've had to say goodbye to... Yeah, to Keiko, Keiko disappeared. Maybe she's got to go play oh, yeah. some games. <laughs> but we've been talking with Keiko <laughs> Bang, CEO of Bang Singapore, and Alison Yangjing, who's a writer and creator in the field of video games. Thank you so much for joining us on the Agenda Cafe. It was great talking to you. Thank you.